Nice. So we're going to get talking today, so this is what it's going to sound like. Um, no. Ah, much better. Now, get ready for an uncivilized discussion about faith. Welcome Welcome to the the Barbarian Barbarian Prophets. Welcome back, Barbarian Nation. We are so glad that you are joining us. I'm actually bouncing around the Black Hills today. And I told you guys when I posted the other day that I would be asking a very big question that one of my writers wrote in and asked about what it takes to be a Lutheran. So I'm going to start going around the table to my left, I have Miss Cindy. So, you know, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Cindy. Well, Bert, I'm a longtime Lutheran. <laughs> I'm a longtime Lutheran, and I listen to your show every episode. Um, yeah, I grew up Lutheran, nice. and so confirmed in the faith, brought up in the faith. Um, so, so, so you're, just, you're, you. you're just Lutheran. I'm just Lutheran. Just Lutheran. I'm just Lutheran. Okay, are you a special kind of Lutheran? Whatever my daddy was. <laughs> I didn't know we inherited it via blood. Okay. Uh, no, but... To, you were to, an Anglican, I thought. No, I went to an Anglican seminary as a Lutheran. You're going to have to explain to us what an Anglican is, too. Okay, so going back to the daddy part, daddy <laughs> was the big driving point in going to church. Right. On Sunday morning. So whatever daddy was, we were going to be no matter what it was. Right. Um, he grew up Missouri Synod. Mom was a Methodist. Um, they decided on, um, it was Ohio Synod at the time. Mm-hmm. Came ELCA a little bit later and mm-hmm. uh, now NELC. And so, um, but that's what we grew up as is because dad was the driving force. Right on. So uh, you want the Anglican or you want that later? We'll get that in a minute. All right. Blaine, give us a rundown on you, bro. Yeah, so, well, kind of the same thing. Uh, lifetime Lutheran, uh, baptized Lutheran into the ALC church three months to the day after my date of birth. And uh, is that's a standard, into right? The, uh, ELCA congregation confirmed into that congregation. And uh, 90 days later, they waterboard you. Yeah. Yeah, you get born. Then you get waterboarded, so you'll be a brave Christian later on. Is that right? Yeah. Holy Cross Day. Holy Cross Day. Nice. They did it on a day? That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Picked a day. Born on Flag Day. Oh, okay. Yeah, me and Donald Trump. Yeah. All right. And baptized on uh, Holy Cross Day. Nice. Nice. And you're a military veteran. Yeah, Marine Corps veteran. Hoorah. There we go. All right. Hoorah. Hoorah. Hoorah is that. That's Army. Yeah. Okay. ready for Marines My bad. Hoorah. (laughs) All right, you there, Big Dave. Big Wave Dave. This is Big Wave Dave. He lives up in South Dakota, and we uh, he's our surf champion of uh, the Rocky Mountain region. So, Dave, fill us in. So, I'm not quite a lifelong Lutheran. I was uh, baptized on the eighth day as a good Lutheran. Uh, <laughs> you, on refer- on well, Reformation, that's way better than 90. On, yeah. on Reformation Sunday. Yeah. So, that's part of, part of my story. But we were Lutheran for the... First part of my life, Methodist for a little while, came back to Lutheran about uh, late elementary school. So I've been a Lutheran pastor for 30 years almost or so. Well, it sounds like you guys have always been in liturgical style churches, correct? Yes. Okay. So so let's uh, let's bounce around. The, the, the question that I just want to kind of kick out there is 
I was asked, what does it mean to be a Lutheran? And, you know, one thing that I would ask you guys, do you think that if you ask somebody in your congregation, they would be able to pipe right up and say, well, this, I, this is what it means to be a Lutheran? No. No? What, what about you, Blaine? Boy, I'd hope so, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm being thinking, realistic. But, uh, I think you're probably right on in saying probably not. How about you, Dave? Oh, some of them would do very well. See, and others not as well. Right, and I, I agree. In my in my church, I've got a lot that would do really well, and, and a few that that just would not. They don't know. They actually, uh, it is some members of my church that ask this question. So, because they've uh, they have been Lutheran since they were born, and in fact, the lady that asked this question is uh, in her seventies. Uh, born and raised into the church, etc., and she was like, "But when when we are talking to other people that come to visit our church, how do we how do we say that?" So, you know, let's kick it. I kick it open to whichever one of you want to answer first. What what do you think it is to be a Lutheran? They're all looking at you, Blaine. Apparently, you're the one. I, the ones that sit in the back. Uh, Oh, that's yeah. that's what defines Lutherans. Yeah, yes. I think I yeah. I would agree with that. I think mm-hmm. that they've been avoiding the uh, front row since uh, fifteen seventeen. Right well, on. A lot of the Lutherans would say that what it means to be Lutheran is to not be Catholic, because that's who we were defining ourselves oh, yeah, yeah. over against a lot. Um, I was thinking you're going to ask who are Lutherans and Lutheran theology, and so I had some good answers in my head. But oh, well, and we they? can go yeah. to there too. But but let's start off with this one. So. So what do you think? What do I think Lutheran is? Um, Scripturally based. Mm -hmm. Our authority rests in God's word. Mm -hmm. Tradition comes alongside as long as it supports Mm -hmm. God's word. We are sacramental, Mm -hmm. um, being the sacraments are Holy Communion and baptism, Mm -hmm. and um, we preach God's word. Mm -hmm. That would be the ones that are rolling off the top of my head, that is, and then liturgical, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there there needs to be, there doesn't, yes, there does. There needs to be some set um, rhythm right. to how worship happens. Right. And I'm, I'm perfectly happy with what we have. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. And, uh, you know, one of the things with the how how things have a tendency to run is all churches have some type of, of rhythm or mm-hmm. a liturgy that they do. They just don't call it that. And theirs doesn't look exactly like ours, but they do have a rhythm in which they do worship. We call worship the entire service. Most of them uh, call worship the music end of their stuff, and then there's a preaching end. But we have all that stuff, too. But uh, I'll just tell you how I uh, told them. I said, well, I break it down real simple, that we are a confessing church mm-hmm. and that we uh, stand firmly on the sacraments, which is baptism and uh, communion, and that we stand firm in the, uh, the Word of God, uh, overpowers all things, and mm-hmm. that we always go there first, and then we fall to church tradition. If we can't find that answer in there, and then we— we ask that question, why is the church tradition there? So that's that's what it means to me to be a Lutheran, and I've only been one for a couple of years. Uh, but uh, as far as I could say about the uh, – I wouldn't join uh, anything else at, at, that I could see. Uh, I, I do love the NALC, and I do love the LCMC. And, and Blaine, you're a part of that collection of uh, what, what would we – the the great um, – 
alphabet soup of Lutheranism. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just recent, March 12th. Yeah. Yeah, thank you Yeah, for right. coming up and being part of that. Oh, man, I wouldn't have missed it for the world. Right. Um, you know, to add to our, I guess we're defining our, what being Lutheran means to me, mm-hmm. um, that proper distinction between law mm-hmm. and gospel Okay, and now how, I want you to know that a bulk of my people that listen have a whole different concept of those two words. So define that as well. And and Dave, I'm going to tackle you on that one as well. Well, and I guess I would just like to maybe with that go um, in layman's terms, the easiest way to put it is mm-hmm. understanding our justification, our faith right. as a gift. Right. And, and and that's just in simplest terms. You know, go to, you know, me listening to Romans 1 mm-hmm. and it, kind of Luther's big enlightening himself mm-hmm. of uh, faith by faith, mm-hmm. apart from works, mm-hmm. apart from you have to do this. Right. You have to do this. Right. The commands, the law, the rules— that it's a gift. Mm-hmm. It's not what I do. Yep, it's it's what, not something you earn. It's what Christ did for me on the cross right? and how important that is. Absolutely. Dave? Just to pick up where he was leaving off with um, what makes a Lutheran, when I was thinking about that earlier when you mentioned what we'd be talking about, there was a definition that I remember learning somewhere along the way in seminary about Lutherans being a confessing movement within the church Catholic or the Christian whole Christian church. And in the sense of that is that we are cheerleaders for a certain way of thinking about God and um, a certain way of understanding what the gospel is. So part of, and there are a few things that we want to say, hey, rest of the church, you need to think about these things because these things really help uh, to understand what it means to be a Christian and how to live in that. And, and we've heard some of those Lutheran distinctives, I suppose you could call them, you know, in terms of thinking about law and gospel, thinking about the sacraments, thinking about, you know, one that I would uh, talk about is that salvation is primarily God's work, and we want to really make that point really clear so we don't look at ourselves at all. We're always looking at God in that uh, some of the other things that Lutherans cheer for, of course, justification. You heard uh, the whole idea of vocation uh, as every area of life being a place where we are called to serve God so that uh, someone might have a vocation as a spouse uh, to their husband or wife. Someone might have a vocation as a parent, uh, as a son or daughter, um, as you know, their vocation that we usually talk about is their job, uh, their vocation as Christian to other people, as you know, all of those things being a part of what it means to live, and uh, and sanctifying all of life in that sense. So there's a number of things that um, the Lutherans really are cheering for that little piece of theology and saying, "Hey, the rest of the church, you should pick up some of this stuff because we got some good some good things to offer you." And Lutherans happen to be the ones who you know emphasize those, and that's a part of their community. Hopefully, in terms of how they express the Christian faith. I would agree. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I was talking with a guy by the name of Mark Crawford uh, who came to visit me. He was uh, came over from uh, Tasmania, Australia, 
And he was saying one thing with the Orthodox Church, which that's what they, they call us. They call us the Orthodox Church, and he's very much on the charismatic end of that, of the church. And uh, he says, you know, one thing with us, we really, we champion the Holy Spirit over on our end. I mean, we are, and he, he's not putting anybody down. He's saying this is what we're focused, and we know who Jesus is, and we focus very much, but we've, we've not focused quite as good as we should on that he says and you guys and he's talking about us and and as lutherans because he's he's been around the block more than once he's a pretty well educated guy pretty well in the circles he goes you guys very focused on jesus you know who the holy spirit is you love him he's there you love him and but the father he's still a little bit separate from you. And he says, the one thing that we've got to look at at the common church or the church that needs to start to come together and learn from each other is that we also, we need the Father. We need that reverence reinstated into the church body, all of it. And the other thing is to make sure that we are learning from each other because we can learn about the Holy Spirit from them because they spend so much time on it. They should learn about Jesus from us. And so him and I were discussing, you know, where where should we seek the Father who could teach best on it? And, and one thing that has kind of come to mind is, and we're blessed with some people that are very deep entrenched in this, is the Jewish, the Messianic Christian, you know, the Jewish Christian, because they're so focused on the Father, and they love Jesus, and they know who the Holy Spirit is, but if all of us started to kind of start to work that together the church would look so much different it doesn't mean that we're doing something wrong and they're doing something right or we're doing something right they're doing something wrong what we got to do is start learning how to function and flow with one another a little bit because they're uh when i first came into uh before i started pastoring i had a guy by name of don hinton i still sit underneath him until i'm ordained through the nalc and what will uh don used to say is bert you need money I said, okay. He goes, you go to the Lutherans. I gave you money, but they don't want to get too involved. I said, <laughs> okay. He goes, and they don't want anybody to know they gave you that money. They want you to keep your mouth shut. And I said, okay. And he goes, and then you're going to need to do some cooking. So we're going over to the Baptist because they ain't got a lot of money. But if you show up with the cash, they will start cooking. And they can cook like nobody's business. They'll make everything good and deep fried. It'll be perfect. Everybody will love it. He goes, swing on by the uh, Pentecostal church and pick up a band. And then get the evangelicals to start preaching. And you'll have everything flowing the way it's supposed to. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I think that was a pretty fair view. Of the overall church, how it could flow together a little bit better, right? And th- and that's something that uh, one of the Lutheran things that we're offering uh, the rest of the church is a whole way of understanding church mm-hmm. that I think is really helpful because a lot of us will think church is you know my brand or my building or my mm-hmm. whatever or my big organization that I'm a part of or even a yeah. collective of people, right, right? And you know to think. Lutherans talk about the church as being defined by the word of the sacraments. So the church is where the gospel happens, where somebody's preaching and somebody's giving Jesus in, in the sacraments to, to other people. But that So you can talk about seeing the church in all kinds of places right. uh, where um, others might not think of those terms. I think that's one of the gifts we can give the rest of the church, to call everybody else church. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, you know, one of the other great things about even as I 
uh, been reading uh, uh, Luther's writings as I've been going through school is that, uh, you know, he didn't have the world that we live in today, but he definitely was recognizing the Eastern Orthodox churches. And he goes, what about our brothers over there, right? And he was saying that they may do church differently, but we're worshiping the same God. And he was looking at things differently. And, and that's one thing I do like about the denomination that we're a part of right here. It's they're not separatist. And that's something that a lot of people misunderstand about Lutherans. They hear the term Lutheran, and uh, we're all glumped into a thing. Just like when, when a lot of people hear the term Pentecostal, they lump it all into one thing. And there's a lot of different factions and fashions of all of us, right? And I mean, how many different flavors of Lutheranism is there, Cindy? How many? I don't know. More O's than in SpaghettiOs. I have I six, seven had, really quick. So, somebody sure had a more. list online, um, Pastor Zip, and I don't know if he's still online, but he had a list in the United States. There's like a hundred and some different <laughs> I know, groupings of Lutherans. It's yeah. crazy, isn't it? Most well, of them are very small. but right. Yeah. Because I know when they first started coming over here, um, when America was just, you know, starting yeah. out, it was like 600 different, because everybody who brought who brought Lutheranism over here from the old country right. would always bring their own language, their own um, culture, their own um, Tradition. traditions, their own liturgy, mm-hmm. everything. So you you have all these micro, you know, factions all over the place. So. Right. And so when it, when it comes down to, I mean, up here in South Dakota, you, uh, Dave, you've talked about we had Norwegian, Finnish, and German. One South Dakota, Norwegian, Finnish, German, some Swedes, some, you know, there's, but they were historically ethnic uh, mm-hmm. groupings of people. Yeah. Right. Well, and I, I think that was probably true in the, in the early, so when did, when did Lutheranism get started in the U.S. officially? 16 something. Yeah. So I didn't realize very, there was going to be a test. No, no <laughs> test, no test. It's very, it's very early, but some of the, some of the early um, uh, people and Places like Pennsylvania became very popular for Lutherans to go to because they had religious freedom under William Penn, and so there okay. were a yeah. lot of different groupings. But um, Muhlenberg is considered the kind of father of Lutheranism in this country, not because he was the first, but he was the one that tried to get them organized yeah. uh, and tried to group, group them so they'd start working together with other Lutherans and and be a little more intentional about the Lutheran distinctives. But uh, but they were very, very early. You know, it's, those first settlers from Germany started coming. So let me ask a real quick question between uh, uh, you two gentlemen and say, what do you see? Now, because you've you've been on both sides of the fence. And Dave, uh, are you not dual rostered? No, you're not dual rostered? Our churches, but I'm not. Your churches. Okay. So when I say dual rostered, they, they have LCMC, the Lutheran Church. Mission for Christ. Christ. Lutheran congregations. Lutheran, there it is. I knew I was They're saying an association rather than a church body is how they think of themselves. Okay. And then the other one is the NALC, which is the North American Lutheran Church. Now, um, uh, LCMC has been around for since about like 2002, I want to say. That's about right. Yeah, yeah, it's about right. I mean, they both kind of stemmed out of the word alone and were joined with the same group LCMC of people. was born when there was a disagreement among Lutherans in what was the LC, or is the LCA uh, around um, an, an agreement uh, working with the Episcopal Church in the United States and some mm. some of what they were requiring of of 
two had to happen in order to work together in a formal way. Mm. And some of the Lutherans said, no, you know, we're st- again, Cindy's statement that we're standing on the word alone. We're saying that, that it's not required that you have a certain ordering of structure of the church in terms of bishops and bishops in uh, historic understanding of, of succession back to the apostles in terms of that line throwing to the bishops. So there was a new objection to that. So that's when LCMC was born. And so, and then that, that became the first main split out of the LCMs or out of the ELCA. ELCA. And I, and, and I'm not, I'm not poking at anything here. What I'm just trying to do is give my listeners an understanding of the difference between Lutherans and that they don't always agree, just like your church. I mean, whoever my listener is right now, if you're attending a church and you talk to your pastor, and he probably, if you're an independent church, he came from a different church. He might have came from being a Baptist. He might have came from being several different things. Uh, Wesleyan is also another common one to start up independent churches. And that's usually what I hear is they were Wesleyan. So I just I just want to see, you know, where we are. Because I, I, they're curious. I mean, people are curious. They ask me questions all the time. I answer the best I can. I think I'd just add to that, that that group of pastors that started down that path and word alone, and I mean, it, it, their intent was never to leave the ELCA. Just like off. It, just it, like Luther never intended to leave the Catholic Church, but sometimes things have to transpire. Yeah, their goal was to reform right. the church and and to take a look at what was going on in the ELCA and 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 kind of push things back to the authority of Scripture, right? And and you know refocus, reform, reground the uh, church. But I I just think it became a, a futile effort over time, and and right. the the uh, LCMC uh, were the first, and I think that was easier to do because without any upper authority, when they just became an association, it was easier for congregations just to go and do their thing. And what's one of the benefits of that? Is that just because they can call their own pastor? Or they How does that work? Well, I think you're right in saying it's a benefit because you're – it's it's relatively loose. They're very congregationally focused, and the authority lies with the congregation. Mm-hmm. But you also have to remember that you kind of can become out there on your own on an island. Oh, yeah. But if uh, there's huge advantages to the NALC, where if you don't look at that structure as um, authoritative, Right. As more of supportive. Right. And that we're all in this group together as a church. Right. And we're, you know, we have a, a, a set of common core values and, and goals and mission that, that ties us all together. I think um, the association, it's very easy to, to be very loose mm-hmm. in what we call a church. Right. You know, so there's there's pros and cons of of each, and right. you might it might be a lot easier. And this is obviously my own personal opinion. Right. To walk into an L, an NALC congregation on any given Sunday, and it's going to somewhat seem familiar. Right. It looks similar. Similar. Right. From one NALC congregation to another, somewhat. I mean, they're going to have variations. However, not all LCMC congregations are going to probably have that same conformity, and it's going to be a little bit looser, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit 
a little all over the board. Now, Cindy, you travel all over the place. You're, you're, you preach at a lot more than one church, and I know Blaine does too, but you preach at three of them? Four. Four. Excuse me, I didn't mean to leave one out. So you, I heard that you start uh, your circuit like at four in the morning, I think the bishop said, and finish up somewhere around three days later. Well, now that I got a dog, yeah. Get up, walk the dog. Uh, no, uh, it's not that bad. Um, it is kind of early, but um, because I serve in congregations, the first one's 45 minutes away. So if I'm going to do confirmation with them, I'll get there at 7 o'clock. Right. Church is at 8. And the next one is an hour away, so I take almost all of that hour to go and get to the next one. So where are your your churches are located all in just small rural towns? Absolutely. Okay. Philip being the bigger one, okay. but most of everybody else is fairly small. Okay, Philip, South Dakota is a small town. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> but as, as you travel through them, I mean, you you've got. Uh, I've seen your your youth gathering and stuff. You got quite a few people that attend your churches. Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. Each one has their own dynamic. Yeah. Um, and so right now, um, Philip has a lot of kids for release time on Wednesdays. Right. But if I'm going to look at Sunday worship with the most kids, right. you're looking at Midland, which is, you know, probably the the second biggest town, which is a handful of people, but I still have more kids there. Right. So it's really each one is vastly different from, you know, the the others. I look at it like a hand. Right. Every one of them you need, you know, you it's easy to do things when you have all your fingers. Right. And each one has their strengths and each mm. one has their weaknesses. And so all of my churches act like that hand. And so we work together to do what we need to do because we need to share a pastor. But each one does their own thing, mm-hmm. their own way. And, you know, some are more successful at certain aspects of ministry than others. But, you know, they all kind of mesh together in that way. Awesome. So, Dave, what I heard her say with the whole hand thing is she has room for one more. No, she does not. <laughs> How many miles do you drive in a Sunday? Uh, 225 to 26, depends on. 225 miles every Sunday. Yeah. Yep. I'll uh, leave by 7, and I get home by 5. Nobody has any room to whine. Oh, Bishop I, Dan was right. I love it, though. I love seeing all my people. Oh yeah, yeah. I know you do. That so. is that is definitely your call for sure, for sure. And everybody's like, yeah, yours. Remember, yours. Yeah. <laughs> so, Dave, well, um, how long have you been at this church? I've been here since '94. Since '94, yeah, it's pretty good run. They still keep you every year. So far. Oh wow. <laughs> when I came, it was a part of a three-point parish with a church in Lead and a church uh, north of Buffalo, South Dakota, with two pastors that shared, and then. Our goal was to get this little church in Whitewood on its own, and we've been able to do that. Oh, yeah. I think you guys have done quite well, haven't you? About how many people you have coming here every week? Oh, on a good Sunday, we're at 100, but we don't always have good Sundays. Well, this is a small town. This yeah. is a small community. I mean, so that's that's good. Um, you know, you figure in a lot of bigger cities, 100, that's a pretty – that's a good – church nowadays you know uh so have you guys noticed uh since covid how much how many people did not what what would you just guess is a, a percentage of people that did not come back from covid back into your churches 
the experts online say that about a third of people nationwide or however wide the surveys are. And I don't know that we're quite that bad here, but there's been a significant loss. Right. Yeah, I was going to say I probably lost maybe a quarter. But, yeah, depending on – well, it's summer now. I've lost a half, so. And I'm from Montana. We we didn't recognize COVID. So <laughs> We refused to recognize COVID. <laughs> no, um, you know, I think, you know, our, our congregations – up in that area, we're mandated shut down a very, very short period of time, right. maybe a month tops, and we were back open. But you did have people that stayed away from the church from some time. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think just health conscious and, right. and other things like that, you know, some of those people have stepped away. But I think some of that was just they're at an age in their life that they've become homebound now yeah. and, and, and things like that. I, I don't think that it affected our, our membership and, you know, our attendance I, it, it, it affected Casper somewhat from what I understand, but in all reality, we're having people return here in the last few months that haven't been there in a few years. Mm-hmm. And I mean, our, our numbers are, are, uh, we also have some, people starting to drift in from other churches as well, that they are having difficulties finding pastors, etc. It always surprised me. Uh, one thing that, that I do love about both the LCMC and, and the NALS, or NALC, sorry, went to seminary for a minute, um, is that we have open communion. And that becomes a really huge thing. We have open communion to any baptized believer. And I think that makes a huge difference. And most people, they have dealt with other ends of the other churches in the Lutheran because not even, I mean, there are people will throw uh, the Missouri Senate under the bus all the time on this. But uh, there's there's churches even in the Missouri Senate that will allow if you're a believer and you're baptized, you can have uh, communion. Uh, so that kind of goes church to church on those guys, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Cindy, fill us in on your Anglican lifestyle. Anglican lifestyle. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I still Ang- have all of that kind of stuff, though. I do. Yeah. Um, so when um, in 2009, when God, you know, finally convinced me that this is his will and it's time to take some action, um, the ELCA um, was breaking up, and I was a big uh, – I kept asking my bishop the questions mm-hmm. that nobody wanted to go and ask. And so I got sort of blackballed from going to certain ELCA seminaries. <laughs> and so um, why are you laughing? Oh, well, because <laughs> I I just, yeah. yeah. See, this is why I'm in this group. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so my pastor suggested trying um, Neshota House, mm-hmm. which is an Anglican seminary that is, you know, it was Orthodox uh, traditional and very grounded. Right. And so um, I said, okay, God, if this is going to work, you know, they're going to let me in. Well, they let me in. Mm-hmm. And then I'm probably regretting it now, but they let me in nonetheless. And so I actually had a great education there while learning, you know, the Anglican side of things and where they went wrong and telling them that they're <laughs> wrong. And then the That's Lutheran side of things. That's what makes me laugh. It's making Dave laugh. <laughs> well, it's what you get when you get me. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's, to me it was fun because I really understood Lutheranism, 
you know, in comparison to the other denominations because you had to in class. So for me, that was a lot of fun going that route. Was it a lot of work? Oh, yeah. Um, but it was certainly worth it. And then learning from their perspective, the liturgy aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Now, can I bring high church smells and bells to Phillips, South Dakota? No. I cannot. It's not the right place for it. But you love it. I love it anyway. I love it anyway, Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. If I could do smells and bells at my church, they'd get it. But they they are not in. Mm -mm. So give us a real quick rundown. What's the difference between high church and low church? And when you use the term smells and bells, or we both do there, uh, explain that. What does that look like uh, to the average person that's never been to any of those churches? Okay. So for me, high church is... um, Give me a second here. So there's a there's a way um, the the worship service is done. Um, there's a special care taken for every everything. Mm-hmm. It's done for a specific reason, right? Um, you know, incense is used to go and symbolize prayers wafting up to God. Amen. We incense. Uh, the gospel reading. You incense the altar. You do all of these things to draw attention to God in that moment using those bells. Well, bells, I think, are just to go and wake up the seminarians, but um, it's to draw attention when we're doing the <laughs> communion. When, communion, when we're... Um, the presence of the Lord. Yes. And so, because um, we got, I got to do that, too. I love that, like, man. That's cool. Yep. Um, and so it's, you know, draw attention stemming from when services were not done in the local language. Right. So if you're uh, if you're back in the 1400s and you don't know Latin, well, how are you going to draw attention to the Lord's presence in the bread and the wine while the bell? Oh, right. bell. Look forward. Okay. Yeah. Jesus is here. Pay attention. Wake up. Um, and so those, you know, there's a special attention and the way things are done um, throughout the service. I think that just draw more attention and you spend more time on it. The gospel reading, the chanting. Um, though I do have a, a, a cantor that will sometimes, um, you know, assists, and he would not think that that is high church, but I would. Mm-hmm. Because it's, you know, something, that extra step going and doing stuff. Um, vesting. Um, now, if anyone saw me, um, I don't vest because, again, I'm hopping in the church, and I ripped my good surplus, and so that is the most expensive piece of clothing I own, and I ripped it. Right. That's, that's the way that goes on occasion. And I, I get mud on me. So, literally, I am a circuit rider. Mm-hmm. I do get mud. So, I don't anymore because of that. It just does not make sense. And so, but the vestments, the um, everything we can do to go and draw attention to the season and to the service. Mm-hmm. That is what I would consider high church, but I'm probably leaving something out. My mother-in-law says that high church seems a lot like Roman Catholic. Oh, yeah. But how important is it for us to explain Mm-hmm. Even, oh, absolutely. What kind of like Cindy was just doing that, right? And and you know the, the importance, but even you know the vestments mm-hmm. and the point, and how many people don't understand that we're actually taking the focus off of us. us. That's Correct. right, and yes. and 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 placing it where it needs to be. Correct. You Correct. know, and that's you know, high church is going to seem a lot more. 
rigid, a lot more strict, a lot more formal, liturgical. Uh, and that's going to be the difference in what we think high church, low church, from a visible aspect. So give me what low church is. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I know it's awful dangerous. Skinny jeans. Yeah, just kidding. Well, I'm I mean, I mean, I guess what we would say, you know, and back again to like a visual aspect, mm-hmm. you know, what what we would see in a lot of our contemporary style worship yeah. today, um, uh, worship styles that maybe uh, we wouldn't consider liturgical. I know that right. they have a pattern, yeah, they, they have, have a, a flow, but they're probably not, you know following in a traditional um, specific pattern like, like like we do there's not chanting there's not it's it's a little bit more uh, well contemporary mm-hmm. right? right it so is it's, it is it, it's a little bit loose you know you probably you're not gonna feel awkward showing up in a pair of shorts and an untucked shirt you know high Thank church goodness. you might want to wear your Sunday best. But, no wonder but, I fit in those places. And, and, and like I said, those are your visual aspects. You know, right. we talk about high mm-hmm. church and low church in the aspects of, you know, authority too. Right. right? Where, you know. Um, we have you know, we a hierarchy. Anglican church and, and even some of what we see from what was the ELCA where we have this top-down leadership. Right. Um not focused on the congregation, but more of uh, a pope type bishop right. is going to tell you what everything means and right. how it's going to work. And NALC works a little opposite of that. It, we do have an upper echelon, but go ahead, Dave, who is our dean over our district. Yeah, what, one of the, in terms of leadership, one of the uh, real. Emphasis that we've tried, and some of it we've borrowed from the African church, is to make the leader role uh, primarily a servant role. That, that's been talked about in the church in general across, but functionally in some of the other traditions, it tends to be more um, authoritative, where we uh, have our bishop in a much more pastoral role intentionally, where some of the structure and the uh, r- rules and making sure things are done the way they're supposed to in that sense go to a general secretary that's a very different kind of role. Um, you had brought up something earlier that I should have mentioned, um, just thinking about the high church, low church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know I've told you this, Bert, before. Uh, one of the best ways of kind of understanding Lutherans versus other traditions, and it works, I think, in some of the high church and low church and a lot of that, um, was explaining Lutherans versus other traditions as a drawer full of socks in terms of understanding the Reformation. Have you heard that before? I, I thought I told you, but... Oh, you might have, but 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 I had to tune into this. Now we'll know more, Dave. Go ahead, give it to me. So, (laughs) someone told me once, and I thought it was a really helpful way to understand Lutherans versus other traditions. uh, That if you think of the whole of the Christian Church, you know, often the Catholic tradition and all that comes with uh, what Christians have been for generations, and how Luther did the Reformation. When when Luther did the Reformation, he took looked at that roof full of socks that was the whole Church and says, I don't think this belongs here, and I don't think this belongs here, and took out a few things, but left almost everything intact. So in Lutheran Church, you'll see a whole lot of things that are very, very similar to the Roman tradition, Mm -hmm. uh, where uh, some of the other more radical reformers would dump everything out of the drawer, 
to start with and say, we want to put this in the church and we want to put this in and we think this belongs. And so you don't have a lot of the things that uh, have a lot of the ancient traditions tied to them. And it was just a different approach to the Reformation, although there's a whole lot of theology that goes into why that approach was done. And I think that's just a helpful way to kind of think about how we ended up being who we are versus how some other traditions ended up being the way they are. Absolutely. So always think about your socks. It's important. I like that idea because I think some traditions only have three socks in that drawer and they're all mismatched. That's very possible. And, you know, I like the look on your face right now. Well, you know, Luther was really big on, you know, picking what hill he was going to make a stand on. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there was a lot of things that were really important to the Catholic the Roman Catholic Church, let's put it that way, mm-hmm. that, um, what do you call, Adiaphora, that mm-hmm. he says yeah. it was neither commanded or forbidden by the scriptures, and he may not have liked them yeah, they, or preferred them, but they weren't worth fighting But he wasn't going to fight over it. Right. It's not going to make or break um, the faith. Right. And, and It wasn't going to condemn you to hell. Correct. And so he and, just let it be. He right. wasn't going to... You know, made he the main things stayed the main things, and, right? And and I think that was very important because some of those things probably could have even made a bigger division than what it was. Even if you think of some of the bishops that and the priests that followed Luther, you know, in the Reformation, mm-hmm. those were some of those things that were important to them. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I do agree with what you were saying, Dave. It's about uh, a lot of people have just dumped out the whole drawer. They dumped out everything. And uh, because they're so afraid of being Catholic. And like you were saying, Blaine, uh, with people always saying, well, it, you know, high church looks Catholic. It, it, it represents, it shouldn't even, you shouldn't even think of it looking Catholic. You should think of it looking Jewish. Because most of the things that we have, the way that we're set up, uh, that's one thing I noted one day uh, as I I was praying and complaining to the Lord. Have you guys ever done that? Mm -hmm. I was like, Jesus, I don't know why you put me in this church. I thought we were going to go Jewish. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what happened. And he... He all of a sudden, when I when I'm down there, I was down in front of the church. It's not a joke. I really was down in front of the church, saying, "I don't know how we ended up here." I keep asking. I kept asking him at that point in time, and when I looked up, he goes, "It's all here. Look." He goes, "We we you belong here. This is where I put you. Why are you complaining?" And I said, "Why? Well, I, I don't mean to complain. I just don't understand these people." And and I've I've talked with you. Thank God, I have you. Uh, guys in my life, along with Evelyn and and the others, that when I go, I don't understand what this means. It isn't that I don't speak English. It's just that sometimes when we're speaking English, we both have different meanings to the word. So when uh, I hear some of the terminology that were Lutheran, it was very confusing to me. <clears throat> and I'm like, man, I, they don't believe. I don't. I can't understand how they don't believe that. And that's when I started through the study and then started going, oh, they got a different phrase for that. We, we call it free will. They call it bondage of the will, you know. Um, but they both essentially mean a very similar thing. I know you may not see that, but it actually does, where you're turning your will over to the Lord. And, uh, it, but everything isn't all just black and white. It ain't right or wrong. It is the Lord has set all these things before you, and he's, and he's set them out there for you to do or to be able to enjoy your life in. It isn't all restrictive. 
and a lot of people have that thought process when it comes to Lutherans, is that there's it's very binding and very, very <laughs> sticky, and uh, it doesn't let you have any freedom. And they, they use a couple of terminologies where they say things like law and gospel, and they're like, well, by telling me not to obey that, you're telling me to obey that. <laughs> So you're making no sense, you know, and stuff to that effect, which always makes me laugh because that's usually me talking to me. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> right. And, and, and actually in all of that, we get true freedom, the freedom of a Christian and what you're talking about, right. you know, and I love the fact that what you've talked about and I've heard you talk about in the past is the bridging of the gaps. Yeah. Right. And and using language barriers. Right. And, and. And how in every relationship we have the same issue. It's communication. Well, right? it, it, that's and, the way it works in marriage even. Right. You have problems early on in your marriages that, that you, hey, I came from a family that puts ketchup on their tacos. And the guy goes, what are you talking about? That's absolutely disgusting. And then 10 years later, they're like, why are you all putting ketchup on your tacos? Because they're delicious. And I would not do that. Do not do that. <laughs> but we have so many different terminologies you know things that you know are interesting and i have been in your shoes mm-hmm. recently mm-hmm. going through some of the same stuff that you're this means this to me right but it's obviously that's not what you mean mm-hmm. and 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 humbling ourselves a little right bit and being empathetic mm-hmm. um and finding people that are able to do that i'm both sides right um because there's terms on you know in different denominations different walks Mm -hmm. we might even be using the same exact word and mean two completely different things absolutely i mean mean, in it i mean just talk about baptism right for one and and what that means and how we look at that and and bridging those gaps and have communication about those and and break down those walls and humbly have conversation absolutely and that's those things that's one of the things that we need to do at some point is is gather uh, a contingent of people around a table like this from from different denominations and start tearing this stuff apart because one thing that we're going to find is that we're all pursuing jesus christ and that we are all saved through him and him alone i mean all of us believe that all of us believe in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. All of us believe that there, the Father, you know, Jesus is pointing the way to the Father. And, uh, you know, that he created all things. I mean, they all believe that. But then they let the smallest of things start to separate them. And that's something that we have got to overcome as the church body and allow each other to have some differences. But we have to stand by each other. I mean, we have to. I mean, I, I'll tell you, in Casper, they were they were protesting uh, the Catholic Church over a particular thing. And uh, so some people were, were going there. So I actually had some non-denominational pastors call me and said, hey, they're up here protesting it at this particular church. And I said, okay. They said, come on, we're going up there. I said, okay, I'm going with you. So we just went and gathered in front of there with the Catholic priest and prayed over their church and prayed over the crowd that was angry, uh, et cetera. And the crowd was like, well, those guys aren't Catholic because they know some of us. Mm-hmm. And they're, because they see me at the jail all the time, et cetera, because I'm in the jail all the time. So 
anyway, what they they were like, hey, those guys aren't aren't Catholic. But when they started to see the church stand together, they realized that the Catholics weren't standing alone in this in this particular thing, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. we we can love each other. Yeah, I don't have to go to their church. I don't have to agree with everything that they say, but they are Christian brothers and sisters, and and. I, they, if I allow them to attack that church, then my church is next on the list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of my time in the military. You know, everybody, oh, the Marines and sailors, you guys don't get along with the Army and the Air Force. You know, and we all bicker and talk about mm-hmm. each other oh, and make yeah. jokes and stuff. But nobody else can. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give us a common em- enemy, though. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. And we're That's how we one win wars. together. But how yeah. often do... We, as a church, mm-hmm. right, um, do the same thing, right? right? We follow that same polarization of the secular world. And we're more so looking at our differences, mm-hmm. and we're quick to pick them out, vice what ties us together. Yeah, and, and just even what you just mentioned, and I think about that, you know, back in Miles City, uh, give us a common bond. Right. You know, uh, we're going to, um, you know, have a march about uh, pro-life. Pro-life. You can have a you can have a march about prayer in school. You can have a march about. And guess who's there? Yeah. We're all there. We should mm-hmm. all be there. We're mm-hmm. all there and we're all working together and we're we're going to have a great lunch with <laughs> funded by the. Lutherans and the Baptists are going to, yeah, yeah, just yeah. however you, you however said that you put, before. But, yeah. but why not? Yeah. And I, Bert, I love what you're doing in just to re emphasize with the, the bridging the gap because you're bringing a limelight to some of these little issues. And I say little because they become huge. Oh, they become huge if that's all you look at. Right, but that's back to that polarization when we when we can empathetically talk and have communication and oh this is this is what you meant by that. Yeah. You know, and let's let's actually go to the word. Let's yeah. let's go to our authoritative scripture that is our norm and let's talk about it and let's look at it together and let's reflect on this and let's move forward together for Absolutely. the betterment of our neighbor. So, Dave, you work with some of your local pastors here in your community. Well, we have just three churches in our town, and uh, the three of us work together to, mostly to do outreach uh, to those in need in the community. You know, right. We work together to, to um, you know, to help with the food bank, to help with transient people coming through, to help with others that have needs. You know, but as a way to, you know, and it's a witness to work together and. Uh, Absolutely, and I think I think mm-hmm. that's great. And and uh, have you guys ever attended each other's service? I'm just curious. Or do you attend anything together, like uh, Good Friday or anything like that? Have you done that? Mostly, we haven't. We get together. the The thing that's kind of interesting that we do together is that we um, gathered was on the fifth Sunday, but then we had to kind of move around where we do it of each month. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we get together and do kind of a hymn sing. Okay. So, People will, each church will bring a hymn for, from their tradition and tell us why they picked it, but also uh, special music, but also then we'll let people from the crowd 
pick hymns, and so you, it's, yeah. you kind of expose people to various things that are from other, pe- other their other traditions, and then we have a potluck together. So it's just a way of doing fellowship together. Yeah, but that's an excellent that's yeah. an excellent deal. What about you with all your millions of miles that you travel every week? No. No, you 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 got time. You like spin out of the car and you're like, "Hey, look over there's the Baptist. How you guys doing?" Right on and run into your church. I think as a community, we work together when needed. Yeah, but we don't, you know, we don't combine services or anything like right. that. Um, you know, I I meant the I that's ha- a Harley's calling me. I was just, I listened there for a minute, um, and when I was talking about the three socks, they don't match. Well, we all have those three same colors in ours, and so we recognize. Mm-hmm. Um, that we do things together. I've got kids that in release time that go to the Presbyterian church on mm-hmm. Sunday, but at release time they're with me. And so my youth group goes to the Presbyterian church because they have an excellent youth group program. So in that sense, we share, you know, that kind of life together right. quite easily. Um, just because I tell them, I don't care where you go as long as you're going. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the only thing that matters to me. Um, I have one, I get the Catholic kids before they, uh, like preschool kids, I get the Catholic kids even. And so it's kind of fun for me. I'm like, oh, how can I make him Lutheran? <laughs> yes, there is just that teeny little bit of me that does think that way. But right. um, I'm just thrilled that they're there and we have something for them there. So right. we work together in that way. But Well, you know, as we, as we take a look at uh, the NALC, uh, one thing that comes from the bishop that I have seen from Bishop Dan Selbo is – he wants us to be looking at other churches that we have things in common with and working with them, and I definitely respect that about him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as churches uh, start to grow and, and to work around each other, and, you know, and um, with with my church, uh, I watch my people. They, they want to grow as a church, but they're also scared to grow as a church. <laughs> And then on the other end of things is that they want to grow. Uh, they they get along well with other people in the community. We did a Christmas card that you can look up on um, YouTube from Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Casper, Wyoming. And we actually had seven or eight churches all get together. And we just sang a Christmas song. We were like, look, so there, there ain't no preaching. There ain't no, we ain't here to gather. Let's just all praise God just just together. Let's just do this to break this thing about all the separation in our community. And it was amazing. Now, you guys, this is a part you don't know, is there, were, there was tons of pushback from in all of those churches. Like, I'm not going over there. Mm-hmm. But there was a bunch of them go, well, I am. And now I got. I've already received numerous calls. Are you guys doing that again this year? Because our church would like to be involved. In Absolutely. It. And I'm like, okay. Nice. I wasn't planning on it, but maybe it's going to be a thing. But what I would like us to do is start to move around and not just keep it in the Lutheran church, but move it to another church, and we start doing it as a community, bouncing building to building, mm-hmm. to record these things and just put together a song once a year just that we all praise Christ at Christmas time and uh, not make it about anything else. It's nothing mm-hmm. about nothing else except celebrating Jesus. And, uh, you know, we're uh, uh, there's a church in Casper called River of Life, which is an independent church, and they're joining us for Pentecost. And now Wes Cannell, just so you guys know with him, when I first came out of 
uh, when I, I was still in gang life, <clears throat> actually. And uh, Wes Cannell was that pastor that invited me into his church. Even though I had a mohawk and parked my bike on his lawn and all that other stuff, he was still okay with me and let me in. That's the story, in case you guys have never heard that one, where I uh, sat down and these two 80-year-old ladies came in and told me I was in their spot, and they were not intimidated by me whatsoever. <laughs> I was in their spot that they had apparently wore a butt groove in. Mm-hmm. So they moved me over, but the cool thing about it, the next week, that became my spot. <laughs> They're yeah. like, oh, we saved your place. <laughs> Come here. Yes, this is your ladies. spot. And then pretty soon they are always with the big hairy biker. So it was pretty pretty comical, actually. But that is the guy that actually uh, is the pastor over at River of Life. So him and I were talking, and we, we talked about just this thing, tearing down these barriers. And he goes, hey, my church will come to your church. I said, okay. Do you need me to come to your church? He goes, no, they're not ready for us. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay. He goes, but do you, we want to come to your church. He said, so give me the ground rules. I said, uh, now I'm nervous. What do, what do you mean the ground rules? He goes, well, you know, I've got, you know how worship is. I said, well, let's leave the flags there and a few other things, but hands up and singing loud. We're good with that. And he goes, oh, okay, do you need me to bring part of my band? I said, oh, some of your people will already, they know our church, they've worked with us, so they'll they'll jump in there. And so um, I think it's going to be a very interesting weekend. And uh, so we set up a big barbecue and everything else. But the point of both these churches to get together is simply to start to break the barrier. So here's the funny part. I run into another guy that runs another church in uh Cody and I do, and he goes, so I heard River of Life's coming to your church. I said, they are. He said, the whole church? I said, yeah. He goes, okay. okay. I said, everything okay? Is there a problem? He goes, well, I didn't, we didn't get invited to your church. Come <laughs> <laughs> on over, brother. And I said, brother, you can't. He goes, well, it's a little late now, but maybe we could do that next year. I said, maybe we should start doing, just pick a couple mm-hmm. times a year where we all move around Absolutely. as a body and just shatter this silliness. Mm-hmm. You know, there are churches we definitely, let, let's all be honest, we got things that, that I won't, I, I don't participate in. Mm-hmm. There there are churches out there that I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and bash them, but I'm going to say flat out, there's certain things that I'm just like, I can't get on board with what they teach. So, I mean, uh, we have to have the basic essentials of being a, a Christian. And when we ta- started out all this conversation, it was about what does it mean to be a Lutheran? I think that what we have for being a Lutheran, just in the confessions, okay, in the simple things that we, that we teach in the catechism, which uh, a lot of our listeners have never looked at, but as we have those things, those are the basis of our Christian faith, not our Lutheran faith, but our mm. Christian faith, because it is about our belief in Christ. Thank you to Martin Luther for, for separating some things out, etc. But Martin Luther didn't save me. Jesus Christ is the one that paid for me. And Martin Luther isn't the one that indwells me. It is none other than the Holy Spirit. And the Father is that who created and created me to be saved for him. Awesome. And so when we take a look at all of what I see, I see that very well summarized in the 
in the NALC and uh, and in the LCMC. And I, I, at least with you, Blaine, I don't, I can't speak for all of them. I, I see that with you, and I see that with with uh, with the other ones that we're involved in, because those are the only ones I see. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't blink at that. I'm going to say that I see that in you, my brother, and I, I see that in, in my. I love being a part of this. I mean, you guys have no idea. I look forward to Tuesdays, and I love when you say, hey, we're all going to get together, and I'm like, yeah, my wife already knows. Yeah, I got <laughs> things going that day. I'm leaving. But, uh, you know, us all being together as a church family is um, is very important. I mean, it's important beyond most people's understanding uh, because as pastors, uh, one thing for absolutely sure it is some of the loneliest positions you'll ever, ever have. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because when you got problems, you sure can't go to anybody with them other than we can go to each other and say, this is what I'm struggling with today. Mm-hmm. Because other people, A, put you too high on a totem, right? They put you up on a little platform and think you're something special, and all of us are just pretty ordinary people. And when we're around each other, we, I feel like we really <laughs> express how ordinary we are some days. Hey, but, but question. Hey, hey, question for you. Um, hey. You talk about the confessions. It, is that something that's relatively new to you? Uh, I would say that uh, for an entire church to be very focused on being a confessing um, a church, I would say it's not new for me, but it is new for most. I, I would say it's not very well known within Christianity. Most Christians go, because I feel good, I'm attached to, or I belong to this church, that makes me a Christian. But uh, as we well know <clears throat> from just looking around the world, that as you start to see the oppression of the government, the Antichrist, etc., that start come in, always two churches emerge. Now, they may all not be connected, but there are two churches that emerge. One is the acceptable political church, and the second is the confessing church, the one that confesses that Jesus Christ is both uh, fully God, fully man, uh, sacrifice that just you could take just real basic the the Apostles Creed, mm-hmm. and you could say they confess that with all their heart. They pray the prayer. They believe in the the Ten Commandments just as a minimum. Okay. And then uh, you have the other church that sides with what are the things I need to be politically active with, and uh, both sides can say whatever they want. Uh, uh, denominational wise but we have watched political polarization of uh all angles and all things in years uh in these last few years especially and i would say since oh probably uh post uh george the last george w Mm -hmm. i would say that we've seen that really start to rise and i think what we start to see in this time and age, and this is this is straight Bert's opinion. Is I think we're seeing the rise of the harlot church, to where it proclaims to be attached to all of the saints of old because that's where they got started. But they then deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ, or they deny that His blood is our salvation, or they refuse to take the communion, or they refuse to address the Father as the Father. Right. Okay, that's where we start. That's where you start to see that rise of the harlot uh, and uh you know that's that's another show <laughs> is what well, that is the reason i i asked that question and i think and i hear this you know in the secular world i guess i put that that way right you know we look at 
you know, we say a confessional church, but we have our confessions, the ecumenical creeds, right. the the Book of Concord, right. and 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 you hear this. Well, I don't need another book. You know, why do I need something separate from the scriptures? And I think that's another one of those places where we have well, misunderstandings. Those aren't separate from. No, those are always just pointing us back. Right, and now you, I'll tell you why they say that is because they have looked at the LDS church. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. You and and not other... only that, then you watch the rewriting of the Bible from the Jehovah Witnesses. And that's why people become very frightened. I'll tell you that flat out. When I came in, I was like, that is my big concern because I had a Mormon upbringing. And I was like, all right, if I'm needing a second book to go with the Bible, I got to question that. I mean, and that ain't nobody telling me that. That's me telling me that. And so, but as I've went through and looked through all of those, et cetera, and like I say, at the end of the day, I can agree as much as all of us would like to say, I 100% agree to all things in there. I don't. I don't agree to 100% because there's some of the things that I see in there that were very relevant for the era, Mm -hmm. and they're not really relevant for right now. Are they wrong? No, they're not wrong. But do I have to climb on board with them and be all all 100% with them? I don't. I don't. I don't feel that I do because, and the reason I tell you I feel comfortable in that is because I've been in enough classes listening to people argue now. I'm like, they ain't 100% on board with them either. So I'm good. <laughs> you, you know what you can tie that all together with, though? And you go up to David's uh, comment or you know analogy of the socks and you got cindy talking about the kids from the catholic church and the pentecostal church and everybody coming together right. and and um i don't know if you've read c.s lewis's uh he's got a small article called first and second things mm. and I, I think about all these other things that we're talking about right that become these big items for us right so many of them are second things. Oh, yeah. They're, they're a little bitty and not important. And Lewis says, you know, when we fail to keep the main thing the main thing. Right. And we start putting the second things first. Right. And how often, if you think about all these little things. Yeah. That become the priority. And the next thing you know, you have a, a sock drawer that has nothing in it. Right. You, you know, or or a church with nobody showing up. Right. Mm-hmm. And nobody even knows it's about the songs, it's about yeah. you know, what what are we even here for? Right. And in Bishop Dan, I and whether you call that the current mission of the NALC or not, but mm-hmm. keeping the main thing the, the main, main thing. thing. Yeah. So is, Dave, with with you, you were trained up under Ferdy. Yes, he was one of my professors. And Nestigan? Yes, also. And so, uh, you know, I uh, I do hear from other ends of uh, the Lutheran faith, they're always concerned with those guys. What would you say uh, was the key things they taught you? Because you've sent me some of their books and videos, and I have spent time in both those. So I just want to get your input real quick on that end of things, and then, then I'll close out the show. But I want to catch that. Probably the most important thing to learn from uh, Ferdy and Estigan is to do the gospel, to don't just talk about it, but to give it, to, right. to give. Um, what did Nestigan call that? To, deliver the goods? Deliver the goods was one of Jim's things. But don't, 
Just say, God forgives everyone. Speak the word and say, God forgives you. Jesus died for you. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that to be very intentional about preaching the word um, and giving the sacraments in such a way that that is clearly communicated to each person. You know, I think that that's probably the main thing that, um, you know, it's one of Ferdy's books is called Theology is for Proclamation. And I remember when he was writing it, he told us that he said the theologians aren't going to like it and neither are the pastors, but it's the right thing. You know, that, that, that the reason we think about God and do theology is so that we can speak that word to others so that they can hear uh, that what Jesus did on the cross was done for them and mm. clear that, hear that word clearly for you. You know, so I think that's probably the main thing that, that I want uh, passed down from, from their legacy. How do you explain that to me? From the pulpit, we're not talking about God and what Christ has done, but we're actually delivering that to, yeah, it, it, to it, the it, ears. It's a, of yeah, the it's a very that, and that concept, of course, comes from Luther. You know that 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 the the word is very sacramental. That that it is giving, uh, and that that you know is uh, one of. Both of their students, Steve Paulson, would say that God's favorite route into each of your hearts is through your ears, you mm-hmm. know, and that He wants you to hear that word and hear that word proclaimed to you. You know, that's that's I think that you know what I heard from them. You know, there's a whole lot more, of course, but but the, that that's the piece that has to keep echoing in your mind because a whole lot of uh, pastors and teachers can get caught up in teaching, mm-hmm. and you know, I remember Ferdy saying. It's okay to teach from the pulpit and to teach a whole lot of wonderful things, but make sure that you know that you're not preaching that day. Right. Because when you're mm-hmm. preaching, you make that extra move to say, this is for you. You're, you're, you, you, you move to that extra step that is so important. That's so good. And communicating the gospel to someone else that they know that, that Jesus died for you specifically. Well, I, I want to ask a quick question of you guys and probably a few others that attend this meeting. Um, if I start hauling this machine up here every month, do you think we would you guys mind sitting a little bit after we have lunch and and just start having some open conversations just so we can help fill people in and maybe give give people a little bit of a direction? Sure. All right, good. I'm we'll, the only we'll be, one. The rest we'll be, of them are looking. We'll be at me like, very hmm? afraid, but we'll be, but, but you be afraid. With, it wasn't that bad today. Talking with no. Bert is a wonderful thing, and if, <laughs> and talking to a few of his friends, all of you folks out there, is got to be wonderful as well. Oh, I love it. I I think we're humble. We're vulnerable, right? We talked yeah. about that earlier. Yeah. We're putting ourselves out there. Yeah. But that's also the way that we help bridge that gap. That's the only and, thing uh, we can open do. up those lines of communication. And uh, I'm all for it, man. All yeah. right. Very groovy. So, last words, Miss Cindy. Um, at the top of my sermon every week, I write, Pastor Cindy, we want to see Jesus. Mm-hmm. I have to keep that in mm-hmm. front of me as I'm going forward, keeping that, again, that um, that phraseology in front of me. The So I hand over the goods. Because I had uh, a little bit of Jim, and I had a lot of different um, teachers coming at me from a different perspectives and so i really that is my focus every week is handing him over in one way shape or form right so blaine i end almost uh every um service with uh just a message to the congregation to repent and to know that the kingdom of heaven is at hand to believe in this good news Mm -hmm. and to go in peace and to serve the lord Amen. Thanks be to God. Dave? 
there's probably not a better word to close with than the one we talked about hearing from Nestigan and Ferdy and others like them, that it, that Jesus died for you and the gospel is for you and uh, the body and blood of Christ are given and shed for you, to hear that for you-ness mm-hmm. and that to speak that word to others so that they can hear it too, but most of all to hear it yourself and know the promise. Well, I will close out with saying that uh, the, how I close every sermon that I give is I love you and Jesus loves you and there's absolutely nothing you can do to stop us. For questions or comments, please email us at info at thebarbarianprophet.com. The Barbarian Prophet is a registered trademark of Barbarian Media Group. Listening to this podcast may cause excitability, euphoria, and overall sense of happiness and the realization that you're not alone. Discontinue use if reddened skin or a rash develops. Side effects may include random hugging, crying out loud, smiling while alone, and happy crying combined with snot bubble development. Do not use during church service. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. Are you actually still listening? Seriously, we have nothing more to say except for that one thing that was really, really, really important, but let's wait until the next show for that. Well, that one more thing that we always want you to remember is you need to find a solid Bible teaching church. And if you haven't found one yet, don't be afraid to reach out to the Barbarian Prophet and we'll find you one in your community. Just remember, Jesus is always watching. He is always thinking. He is always there for you. And no matter what, he will always love you. See you next time on the Barbarian Prophet.